Hey listeners, Matt here. I'm going to be at Alameda Comedy Club in Alameda in the Bay Area next weekend. That is the 22nd and 23rd. I'm going to be at the Alameda Comedy Club. Anyone Bay Area, please come to my show. Thank you. This week's episode of Probably Science is brought to you by Wondrium, who are giving us a great limited time offer for our listeners. It's a free month trial of unlimited access if you go to wondrium.com slash probably. That's W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M dot com slash probably. Science. Hey everyone, welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kershen. I'm Jesse Case. Oh, oh, I was worried <laughs> that was going to happen. No, hey, we, we, it's weird that we never worked this out. We've never worked out. Is it your first day? <laughs> I mean, this is pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But we've never worked out what order we go in. That's Maybe so like weird. Maybe like 440 episodes in, you weirdos. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, some basics, there's some basic stuff we've never worked out. I still don't know Matt's last name. No, and I'm never going to tell you. Yeah. Except at the beginning of the episode when I tell you and everyone who's listening. Right. So it's it's Matt Kirsch and Jesse Case and Andy Wood. And I'm sure the listeners have noticed the only person that's ever laughed at the podcast has also been. <laughs> you've also heard some of that audio. Um, oh, our guest today coming from Australia is a comedian, actor, former bouncer, soon to be psychologist, definitely many, many people's emergency phone call number. It's Julia Wilson. <laughs> G'day, guys. How are you? Yeah. Doing, uh, doing you, you definitely well. are. You, you definitely are one of those people who's just uh, okay. Stuff needs to be sorted. Julia will know how to fix this. Yeah, you know what? I I've never heard anyone describe it like that. But I cop phone calls in the middle of the night where I'm like, "Yeah, mate, no worries. What do you need? What do you need? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, you actually, I just you bailed me out when we were in Australia. I think it was when I was there for the t- tour when Andy and I did the podcast down there. Oh, but yeah. I got a I got a, a flight cancelled. A flight was cancelled on me. Um, That's right. I'd forgotten with, about that. Yeah, with not enough notice, they just suddenly went, oh, by the way, the flight's not happening today in the way that airlines sometimes do. And I had about, I think I had like something like 40 minutes to get to Sydney <laughs> Airport from the house that was <laughs> not near fi- Sydney Airport. 50 minutes away uh, to make a different flight that would get me in in time for... Uh, I, I kind of, it might not even. I don't. I was going to say the gig, but actually, I was thinking it was to get my connecting flight back yeah. to back home. So it was you had a big to get one. to Malaysia like, and then get to America. Yeah, it was something. It was messy. Whatever it was, it was messy. And I, I just know that you were like, yeah, I'll be there in a sec. And <laughs> I do remember you going. We're not going to make it. It's fifty-five minute drive, and I'm like, no, no, it's a fifty-five minute drive. The way the GPS says, the way I drive, yeah. it's yeah. a fifty-five minute drive. <laughs> I've Google mapped it, and I, don't, I still don't know quite how you did it because I normally beat Google Map, but you you beat Google Map by quite some way. Yeah, it's it, anyway, I've actually we, driven I've, that route so many times that I was like, I shoot up the inside lane here. I cut that person off there. Thank you. There was lots of waving going. Thanks, mate. Yeah, no worries. No, I get it that you're angry, but I got to get him to the airport. Move it. Move it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I wasn't part of that leg of the trip, was I, Matt? And I can't. Yeah, I don't. Why not, I don't know not. why. I, I maybe that was the previous time I was in Australia because I can't remember why it was. Oh. Uh, yeah, maybe it was the previous time. I think it was, and it was before we did the tour. It was just before Christmas. It was. Uh, oh, um, it was okay. wonderful. Yeah, that's though, right. Used... That's exactly. Of course, it was. It was before Christmas because after the tour we went straight back to LA. But I went. I went and did some shows in Malaysia uh, and Singapore. Um, as key, like as keen listeners of the show will know, because I did some podcasting from there as well, and oh, then nice. I went to London, 
And well, then this I, is a little too early in the episode for double entendres, Matt. I, 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 we get it. You you stopped over in Malaysia and Singapore. We understand. You know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I, I, you know, I get it. We've all done it. We've all done it. You know, who am I? To, who am I to judge? Uh, uh, Julia, where did, where were you bounce? You were a bouncer. What, yeah. What's going on? I was a bouncer for ten years, so I'm. Um, you've not met me, but I'm a bit of a unit. Like I'm, I'm pretty solid, and um, <laughs> and you, you know when I'm in the room. Like I'm not. Yeah, you know, I'm not. To give you context, I play NFL and I'm sure. the offensive center. So to give you okay. context, that's my like. I'm strong and I'm big and I'm loud. Yep. Just and an people, absolute refrigerator coming yeah. at you. Yeah, right. Okay. But, sure. but still, you can tell I'm a chick. Like, there's still relatively feminine things about me. No, um, absolutely. Yeah. But it just, I, I've been fighting since I was a little kid. So when it comes time to have somebody standing on the door saying, you can come in, you can't, it's a, right. it's a far more friendly to have a woman there, but you also need someone that can actually kick off if the, it needs to kick off. So right. yeah, I was a bouncer for 10 solid years and not in nice, trendy clubs, in rough pubs. Yeah. Wow. And I loved it. Wow. <laughs> And it gave I, me such a great training ground to be a comedian because I just don't get heckled. Like, people just don't do it. Yeah, well, that's no, awesome. that checks out. Wow. <laughs> that's very cool. I get uh, I get heckled ruthlessly. <laughs> like, I, I'll be on stage. People will check my ID nice. when I'm on stage. Yeah. Who even are you? Why are you here? <laughs> yeah. No, it's Have horrible. Have you I've definitely had like issues getting into venues I'm performing because at. Because you past. look like a small child, Matt. Well, that you definitely still look doesn't like help. Like a small child. Like when I first started comedy and I looked about fourteen and I was trying to get into like grown-up bars and nightclubs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just you're like, I'm on the entertainment for tonight. <laughs> I've had I'll, trouble I'll... getting into um, getting into the gigs that I'm performing at, and I've had. Dorman standing at the door saying I can't come in because I don't know my dress code isn't up to scratch and they're standing next to my poster and they're like nah sorry I'm like I'm, I'm actually I'm your headliner tonight and they're like are you though I'm like yeah that's my face on the fucking poster you dickhead like this. and I go stand next to it and they're like oh sorry ma'am <laughs> you're mamming me now you're about to chuck me out for being unruly wow, wow. So is I mean does that happen? Is there a thing you know like if you uh, work at restaurants and you're a server, you know typically you're nice to other servers. But is there no camaraderie amongst bouncers? Um, it's like fuck it that depends. guy. Where well, depends because you know like any job you get. I was all, I always worked on the mirror principle. If someone's nice to me, I'm nice to them, and if they're a dick to me, I'm a dick straight back. Like it's you know sure. s- some bouncers are super cool and they're just doing their job, and other bouncers are like, this is my definition in the world. I have the power to let people in or not let them in, and I will wield it as I see fit. And you're like, fuck off, idiot. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I have one of those faces that I'm I can't play poker because if I'm thinking fuck off, idiot, my face is saying fuck off, idiot. <laughs> very, it's a very expressive face. I'm actually on my phone right now, looking up pictures yeah. of us together when uh, we met up on the Australia trip at Manly Boat Shed, which was definitely a highlight. They had live band karaoke going on. Were you there? Did you rock up on your own, Andy? I feel like that's right. Of course, I, I was I, like trying to remember why. You, yeah, I feel like you I were did. there, and I was not there. I think I was. Matt doing, didn't come out that night. Yeah, I think I was. But doing I feel a gig. like. I feel like Matt said, Andy's there, go find him. And I literally looked around the room and went, that guy has to be Andy. And I'm like, are you Andy? <laughs> and then we rocked out exactly to live band karaoke. Yeah, yeah. Because yep, yep. like, I, I live at that pub. Like, That's my local. It's I, I shagged a bouncer there for far too long. Um, and, and Which also did... answers Jesse's earlier question. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah, there's a real camaraderie. Get it, get it out. Get it out now. 
Um, and, and so yeah, and I remember walking in. <laughs> yeah, and so live band karaoke. Just in case anyone hasn't worked out the code, the band will literally play whatever song you want them to play, and you get up and you front your own band in this dodgy little divey bar where everyone's having the best night of their life, and it was so much fun. Andy, you sang something that night. What did you sing? I think I had enough Victoria bitters in me. Is that a beer? That's a beer I drank it there. It certainly probably, right? is. VB. Uh, I think I, I might have tried Led Zeppelin. I don't know which one, but I have a memory of uh, attempting a Robert Plant vocal there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what I love is that my memory is so shit from so many hits to the head, but all these little flashbacks are popping in. Like, I'm sure I remember you on stage, microphone in hand, beer in the other hand, just full rocking out. I think that's true. I think we, maybe we met after I got off stage. Maybe does that? Uh, I can't, the order of things is off, but oh. I don't remember meeting you until after. I think so. Maybe yeah, you saw me. You might have been on stage be. when I walked in. Oh, I think I thought it was that's because possible. you you in fact channeled Robert Plant so well that you needed security. <laughs> you needed a bodyguard yes. after. Yeah. I was keeping people away from him. Yeah, the place yeah. went fucking nuts. The Marshalled him straight into a limo and off to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of Andy. That was he missed the next few shows because he was already off. Did you go back to Nashville? Is that where I live now? I forgot where, where I remember. Uh, he's in Austin. He's in Austin okay. now. Yeah. Nice. Oh, Man. Outstanding. Yeah, I was a bouncer for three days. Oh, wow. Never had. <laughs> I, I worked at it when I was 18. I worked at a strip club for three days. That's okay. And it, I, uh, I, I no call, no showed. I just left. I just didn't go back. <laughs> I love it. It was. Um, <laughs> Well, it was one of those things. It was like, you know, you're 18 years old and you think, uh, well, this will be the best thing. This is obviously I've dreamed of this my whole life. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. You know, there's a, I'm getting Never paid. pull back the curtain. Never do it. <laughs> well, no, it was just way too real. And I found No, because most- if you do, then Jesse has to throw you out. <laughs> I, I know, I know. And um, Matt caught up with a lot of my colleagues on his trip to Malaysia. But he, uh, <laughs> no, it was it was weird. It was like. Um, most of the security at strip clubs, because if you go to one, you'll notice it's like, it doesn't make sense. Like, there's more bouncers than clientele. Mm. Like, there's, it's like, why are there just 20 dudes standing around in really cheap tuxedo tops? <laughs> and most of it is to stop the fighting that happens, like, backstage. Oh, wow, really? Oh, no. Is that yeah, yeah, because everyone's insane and on drugs and whatever, you right. know? Um I always so used that, to laugh that was at the, that as a as a so I worked in a lot of live band venues and yeah. people would be like, Let me go backstage and see the band. I just wanna I just want one signature and I'd be like, You don't realise I'm not protecting them. I'm protecting you. Don't go back there. You don't want to see what happens backstage. Like the guy <laughs> that you adore is currently sitting there obsessing over missing one note in the solo and doing coke off a toilet seat. Like you don't want to see <laughs> right. what's back there. No, I love them. I'm like, you're not going to love them. He's being a whiny little bitch backstage. Don't go back there. Yeah. Just to make me giggle. <laughs> yeah. It's all, yeah. amazing. Try, trying to meet the band has always wigged me out. I just don't get it. In like any, just, they're in amazing on stage. Just leave that as it is. Because when it becomes real, you're like, oh, God, you're whining because oh, the drummer just took too long out of the solo time and I didn't get to shine in my guitar. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 did, I strongly discourage that, especially for the lovely young ladies that are like, he's my hero. I love him. And I'm like, you're going to hate men for the rest of your life if I let you back there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was one American punk band that came over called the Caddies or something like that. They weren't, no one knew of them here in Australia. And um, they actually came out from the green room and the girls were losing their minds. And they were like, can you please sign my breast, sign my breast? So they'd sign the breast, sign my face. So they were drawing big dicks on the girls' faces. And I was like, see, 
This is why we can't have nice things. The punk boys, <laughs> you're going to go home and go, Mom, Mom, I met this amazing punk guy and, and I've got a big penis on my face. Like, this is why you can't... Well, we, we were proud of that record. I mean, we worked hard on that tour. We really, you know, no, this is no time. I didn't know we were going to have you on. You're going to make fun of the caddies. I mean, that was... <laughs> That was the Jeez. same tour that Blink-182 played in my pub, and this is a hundred years ago, and I was like, they're shit, they're never going anywhere, they're all playing a different song and racing each other, and no one even knows what the key is, and then the next time they come back to Australia, they're playing the Entertainment Centre, which is the biggest venue that we have, and they sell it out, and it's amazing, I'm like, well, I clearly don't know what I'm fucking talking about. <laughs> And now Mark Hoppus is like big into UFOs or something, right? Isn't he? Uh- yeah, yeah, he's a big UFO guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he's a huge, huge UFO guy now. That's very cool, uh, Matt. You were saying something. You were. Well, uh, I was going to ask. I was going to ask Julia the guest the question we always ask our guests, which is, "What if anything is your background in science?" Um, uh, I was terrible at it at school, and I'm just about to finish off a psych degree, which is hilarious because it's actually a degree in psychological sciences with a minor in indigenous studies, um, and mm. it is a bullshit degree. <laughs> like it is a bullshit degree that's about thirty years behind the actual field. Uh, okay, but and what's hilarious about it is that, like, you just you can fake all of it. Like, there's very little. You know, maths is a science. The answer is forty-seven. Psych. Well, I feel this because I feel that. It's it's like, and I'm a comedian. I can talk easily. So in terms of writing essays to prove my point, I don't know anything about the subject, and I've managed to get an HD. It, it's hilarious. <laughs> I I didn't understand how essays worked when I was at school. <laughs> like like I didn't get that you could just like particularly in English I didn't get that you could pick an argument and <laughs> so what and did then, you do and, and, just like what, what not like in my head it was just like no one had kind of explained it to me that like it you know you it's it's about how well you argue a point of view and it doesn't matter what that point of view is and I just it didn't the penny never dropped with me so like I was basically like trying to solve the book. <laughs> Right, right. Like that's how I approached it. It was like so. So the teachers told us what this book is about, and then we'll remember it, and then I'll have to use examples from the book to solve the book as described. Right. And, it's just, and you're like, I'm guessing that you didn't you didn't get great results. I did all right because you know I'm pretty good at solving books, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've always no, said I, that I, about I think you, yeah. I, I would have both. I would have got a lot more out of English, and in, like would have enjoyed it more and done better at it if at some. If just someone had even explained, like, just said to me, I don't know, it was just, would have just taken someone just to kind of go, like, point that out and just, oh, yeah, oh, no, oh, oh, so there is right. like a specific answer that we have to get oh, here, a, and it's not a about format, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's like they, they, these these essay things that we've been learning about and showing. These are just like a way of doing things, but you can pick anything as long as you back it up with real things from the book and explain it well. No, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but I also own a little secondhand bookshop in Manly, like a tiny little. That's right. I forgot um, to mention that bit. That, yeah, you've got so, a great. What's the name of the book? Oh, bookshop. Uh, Desire, we'll Desire Books and Records in Manly. So I get to hang out with old books and old vinyl, and it's truly my happy place. Um, but the people who come in and spend a lot of time in the science section are my favourite people. So in, when you were saying in terms of solving the book, I love the idea of those people that spend all that time in the science section going, ha ha! I have solved it. Like I, I, I like the idea of that. I was wondering how the bookstore was was doing. What with uh, people not reading, and well, that's uh, the thing. People COVID are. and all this stuff. Well, okay. COVID, COVID, right. COVID fucked us. Um, sure. <laughs> so luckily, you know, we we our landlord was quite kind with the rent, and 
blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, as soon as we open, it amazes me. Like, it's a secondhand bookshop, but we quite specialise in kind of weird little... It's one of those weird little secondhand bookshops. Like, it doesn't... We don't really cater to everybody. It's got lots of, like, poetry and really good quality old school literature and lots of little pop culture stuff and lots of the classics and so you're probably not going to find your your five dollar murder mystery crap in there but it right, just right. and the people that come in are all weird and quirky and i love them like the the area in, of sydney that i live in is um i don't belong here but it's a very well off very white um very elitist area and where that weird little bookshop that has all of the crazy little um you know, poets and authors that are coming in and out all the time. We do a little open mic uh, at the end of every month where poets and storytellers and musicians come along and it's just, it's very sweet. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's great. I love it. It's so much fun. You guys heard about this absolute unit running a used bookstore down the street? (laughs) (laughs) Just an absolute dump truck running it down there. Yeah, well, every now and I've only... So we've had the bookshop now, uh, bought it in 2016. It's been there for 20 years, but we bought it in 2016, myself and my business partners. You bought a used, used bookstore? Yep. (laughs) Yep. That's how... That's my self-worth right there. I want a used, used bookshop of dog-eared books and old vinyl that people have listened to 7,000 times. Um, And I've only had to throw out maybe three people and uh, in that time which has really made me giggle because they're like what are you going to do and then I step out from behind the counter and they're like okay I'm going <laughs> it just makes me <laughs> chuckle so hard because it's my favourite when I hear that phrase or oh, what are you going to do about it there's some primal part of my brain goes run at them like I just wow <laughs> I kind of I, I'm, you know when you see like the silverback where they kind of stand up to their full height and they're like oh, oh, oh. Like, that's, that's it. that kind of creeps into my head and I'm like fuck them up <laughs> Fuck him up. I, I love it. I imagine there's some guy like reading his uh, haikus about the morning mist on stage. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you're just like revert to like dive bar mode. You're throwing someone out onto the street. Yeah, I, I like. Yeah, what Julie didn't tell you is that the poets have to read behind some chicken wire. We've <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> got both kinds of poetry haiku yeah. and ramen. Yeah. <laughs> There's full like people being slid across the counter while it's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Bottles there's a, flying. There's a uh, player piano that doesn't stop. It's uh, every I'm now chucked. and then the, the chandelier falls. Every now and then, I've chucked two people out for being racist and one guy for being a creep on a uh, on a teenage girl, and all of them took off very quickly. <laughs> Just made wow. me laugh. Although the, the the first guy who um, I kicked out for being racist got to, I, I joke in my set that there's a, a tougher buffer for when you're throwing somebody out where they have nothing to say when you immediately get them outside and then they have nothing to say five metres away or ten metres away, but they get to 30 metres away and then they get really, really tough and they start screaming <laughs> stuff at you and you're like, yeah, if you're well tough now, I'm too fat to chase you and beat you up. But, like, so when he got outside the tougher buffer, he, he yells out, I'm going to leave a really negative review on Yelp. I was just like, wow, that's, that's such a threatening, like... To, and I, I just remember yelling out, I'll be whiter. Like, it was just it was such a... <laughs> stupid thing to say to a bookshop owner. I'm going to leave a really negative review on Yelp. I don't even know if we use Yelp in Australia. It was just such a weird thing to say. <laughs> oh, man. Bless oh, Now I'm just picturing you as Mrs. Inbetween. I just finished watching that whole show. <laughs> I love that show so much. So somewhere between, that somewhere between Mr. Inbetween and Black Books. That's that's where my brain is. <laughs> okay. So, you- Julia, what, what's your... Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I felt like I cut you off. No, no, go. Uh, what's your favorite part of Psych? What's your favorite thing that you've been? 
Um, oh, I actually loved the Indigenous Studies minor. That was heaps of fun and okay. really educational. And, you know, I live in a country that's been colonised by some people who didn't do it particularly nicely. So I've always felt a bit kind of icky um, being on, on stolen lands and felt like we haven't really, you know, white Australia's only been here for 200 and something years and we, we haven't done a very good job of of helping the Indigenous people uh, along, so studying. Yeah, what the fuck, about- Matt? Why'd you uh, do that, yeah. Matt? <laughs> Although Matt, I didn't want why- to point any fingers, but you know, yeah, yeah Matt, you Brits. have a lot to answer for. <laughs> As I've pointed out in the past, when the Brits were colonizing the world, my family was still in Russia, going, maybe they'll learn to like Jews. <laughs> <laughs> so, did they though, Matt? <laughs> they didn't. They really did. <laughs> Long story short, no, they didn't. Um, wow. <laughs> so yeah, learning about the indigenous culture was amazing. Learning about um, uh, how how psych can kind of help uh, undo generational trauma, that kind of stuff, I found super interesting. But yeah. Listening to Freud crap on again, I'm like, fuck off, mate. Not everything's about your cock. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So again, like quite similar to being a bouncer. Exactly. I, it surprised me how often I was like, "Wow, this this is just like this is Starfies after the pubs closed, where every bloke's talking about his dick or his ass." I'm like, Freud was? Did he drink a lot in bars after they'd closed? Like, it was a, the, the Venn diagram is there's a lot in the middle there. Yeah. Yeah, that's where it starts to get into that realm of English like Matt was talking about, where it's like, "Well, we're just making everything up now." Like, where does Psych stand right now on Freud? If you were to just get a psych like bachelor's degree right now how much will freud be in like or maybe it's just is it just oh, there as a historical interesting no thing, no or? he's referenced a lot because so many of the sciences and the and the schools of thought came from what he thought whether they either agreed with him or disagreed with him they reference him all over the place and you're just like ugh. I would just love to be able to go back in time and just i bet he was just like that guy at the street corner who just wouldn't stop yelling about stuff like, he'd be a conspiracy theorist now where you're like, shut up, Freud, fucking hell, have a beer oh, totally. and get a blowjob and relax. Like, when none of your science is, is up for, like, none of it's empirical, really, in his case. He couldn't, like, no, he can't couldn't prove be, like, subjected to repeated testing or something. Mm. It's like, here's my That's guess why about I've, um, I've been quite fascinated by uh, mushrooms and microdosing magic mushrooms. Like, I'm quite obsessed reading about all of that, which has nothing to do with my psych degree. But that's at least, a, like, there's a metric, there's a measurable, um, this was this was what your hearing was before, this is where your uh, reaction times were before. And then right. and then afterwards, you know, measurable, here's your metric, here's where you rate it. But when it comes to psych, it's all so subjective that you can just bullshit your way through. I, as a bouncer, comedian, bookshop owner, shouldn't be able to bullshit my way through a degree. Just shouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. I say there's quite a few degrees you should be able to bullshit your way through with that background. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Well, what we're talking about, like feedback, and and so we we like when we get feedback from our listeners, and a couple of people, including uh, Keith Keith Duddy, emailed in from Brisbane, an uh, Australian hey. listener, and also our friend Tim Bazell both reminded me that the the, the story I was trying to remember when we talk about uh, reflective buildings being too reflective and poorly shaped, it was the walkie-talkie building in London. That so it's a walkie-talkie sh- uh, nicknamed skyscraper has this kind of like concave curvature to one side. Oh wow! And it it had to be altered because it melted melted <laughs> bits of a car. I thought that was just a Simpsons episode. That's amazing. So straight up uh, a Jaguar as well. So oh, he can dear. afford it. Oh, someone's not going to see Martin's lawyer will be in touch. <laughs> yeah. 
the wing mirror and badge had melted. <laughs> the developers have apologised and paid for repairs. <laughs> that actually wow. makes me laugh really hard. <laughs> so they, there you go. Good for now, a prank, awesome. though. Just Absolutely. stand there for no reason. Just keep, keep standing. Keep now, standing. Uh, <laughs> Julia, we're, uh, we're entering the part of the podcast where we very clunkily uh, segue into science stories. Smooth. And then... Uh, I hadn't noticed... Bullsh- yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, when you're doing psych, uh, you ever you ever do anything with exposure therapy? You ever le- learn about all that stuff, or the oh, EMDR, or any of that stuff? Yeah, like we learned about it, but only enough to be able to regurgitate on regurgitate it on an exam. Not, I didn't get my I didn't get my teeth into any of that, but it looks it looks quite. So, I did a fair bit of study on PTSD and um, and different techniques with coping with that. But I was like, let me at it, and I went, oh no, you just have to know what it is. Like what? Really? Fuck! Like the things I actually found interesting, I wasn't allowed to. So to, there's going to be a whole like separate secondary training for you to actually be able to practice That's, and feel. That, I genuinely think that it like you get your degree and then you go get a job and then they train you how they want you to do that. Like, oh, okay, right. Well, I told you guys. Uh, it, remember, uh, Andy, you and I were living together. I was going to therapy in a place that basically did that. It was like if you're if you're broke in LA, there's a place on Pico Boulevard where you can go and it's a sliding scale. So I paid I think I paid five dollars a session. Nice. And wow. it's somebody that is working on their degree just to get hours. Oh, I get like it. as as a therapist. And but does that was, mean you're getting good quality therapy or does that mean they just haven't No, no. She she cancelled on me to go to Coachella. <laughs> she was like she was she was like 22 and i'm just like what the hell am i doing and and the people that go to like five dollar therapy really need therapy so it was i mean you joke about it earlier but it was like you would check in and the woman you check in with is behind bulletproof glass like a pawn oh, shop shit. oh my god and and people in the waiting room like have diagnoses that don't exist like there's a, there's a guy that's just on fire that's what he has he has he's, <laughs> he has fire head is his thing like people are muttering to themselves i mean it was like it's like people that are almost in the psych ward but not really and i just yeah. wanted to like talk to someone about a breakup you know and, <laughs> yeah, uh, i'm just having like not positive thoughts about myself and i just need a little bit of like bit yeah, of validation maybe, yeah, and the guy I, I next to you little... going i'm gonna burn you okay yeah right, cool. yep good, it's good. like i i just need a little help with motivation to do food prep <laughs> and uh you know the guy next to me is like talking to god you know i'm trying to do a sudoku and I'm like i think i think i'm <laughs> What yeah, I would love is if the guy leaned over and went, God says you've got too many eights. <laughs> You're like, okay, yep, too, <laughs> right. good. Radio crazy man. The thing <laughs> is, I've definitely learned more about psychology through my own therapy than I have in one second of this degree. Like it's it's yeah. just, you know, the, the common sense aspect is will give you way more of a understanding of the human condition than anything that you're reading in a 30-year-old degree. I just recently did a um, uh, a two-day course of – it's called Mental Health First Aid. I'm sure it's all around the world. But um, one of the um, unions that look after the music industry here in Australia um, provided them for everybody during – during COVID so that you could recognise when people either in your band or then they opened it up to the entire performing arts sector. So anybody in your circle that was showing suicidal thoughts or that kind of stuff, um, you could go, hey, I'm just noticing that you have gone off your food and talking about killing yourself all the time or, you know, whatever they're showing. Um, And that two-day course, I was like, see, that's my entire degree in two days. That was remarkable. Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting how... um like psychology 
is one of those things. It's a science. I mean, a lot of science involves coming up with new things, mm. but a lot of science is um, a putting words or just putting a bunch of it's to things that already exist, like like Newton's laws, right? Like gravity. Uh, gravity was around before that. People weren't floating yeah. around. So it didn't really change anything. People are like, we just know what to call this now. And I think uh, psychology is a lot like that. It's like they're telling you stuff, and you're like, yeah, I know. Yeah, like, I like, know that. That makes I know perfect that. sense. Yeah, that that di- that would indeed fuck somebody up really bad. Yes, I agree. Uh, but now you know the word for it. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it, it, and it's, it's <laughs> what, what's interesting about that is that that can be both helpful in terms of um, getting a diagnosis and maybe working out a treatment plan or completely hindering in the, like, oh, well, now we've got a term for you. You're on the spectrum. Go and sit over there and be on the spectrum. And you're like, that doesn't help me learn. That doesn't help me interact with humans. Just giving me a definition and a diagnosis doesn't make me any any better or able to mix within society and culture. You're like, Shh, no, you've had your diagnosis. Go and sit down. <laughs> like, that's not helpful. Yeah. Is there a pill? Right. <laughs> well, you know what could be helpful for somebody with arachnophobia? Um, what is that, Jesse? Well, there's a new smartphone app, you guys, that helps tackle the fear of spider. That was the clunky segue, if anyone missed it. (laughs) There's a new smartphone app. I thought you did it very well there, Jazzy. Thank you. And it helps tackle the fear of spiders using augmented reality, guys. Mm, Yeah, this story sent in by Michael Valbuena, by the way. Thanks, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Um, Yeah, these are researchers from the University of Basel. Um, they've developed an augmented reality app for smartphones, and it's uh, to help people reduce their fear of spiders. It's already shown itself to be effective in a clinical trial with subjects experiencing less fear of real spiders after completing just a few training units with the app at home. Um, uh, fear of spiders is one of the most common phobias, and it leads to a variety of limitations in everyday life as those affected seek to avoid situations involving spiders. Um, <laughs> I, I'm fascinated with those kind of things where you go, I'm glad that that works and I'm glad that you've, yeah, got, yeah. A, you've now got an app that you've designed that you can, you know, you can, you can kind of make that widely available. But how did that come to be? Like the potential for me to expose you to not real spiders could break your brain, but let's just see whether it actually makes you feel better or not. Like imagine like early days of that <laughs> testing where people are like, sure, I'm terrified of spiders. Why don't you expose me to fake ones? Let's see how that goes. <laughs> like I would love to see how you pitch that to the ethics committee to see if you can well, get that across I, the line. I, I don't know, because I, I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like the first exposure therapy probably happened a long time before there were ethics committees. <laughs> I hope so. Imagine that. Because <laughs> it does also sound very much like what sort of a stern governess would make you do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like just throwing... Oh, you you know, to make, make him swim, yeah. Yeah, put your hand in the basin. Put your hand in the basin. Uh, Smoke all of the spiders. Yeah. Yeah. Also, after, like, talking about my magic mushroom microdosing reading obsession, you're like, oh, dear, maybe that's not the day. Maybe don't do it that day. No, that sort of thing. Uh, well, the like the smoking thing, yeah. Where I remember when my dad caught me masturbating and then made me masturbate for eight hours um, <laughs> to stop uh, to stop doing it. And, and uh, you went, "Is that all you got, Dad?" Yeah, no, exactly. I can do this all day. I've been training this. for this since I was nine. <laughs> um, no, uh, so so obviously with a phobia, a phobia, everyone's afraid of stuff. But a phobia counts as a phobia when it starts. Uh, affecting your life you start avoiding situations and uh, that's no good and obviously you know the more you avoid it the worse it gets so uh, people that suffer from agoraphobia they're known to avoid social situations outdoors visits to zoos 
certain travel destinations, um, Peter Parker in general, perhaps. Um, they excessively check rooms for spiders or avoid certain rooms such as basements or lofts. And one effective uh, treatment for a fear of spiders is what's called exposure therapy. And that's where you're guided through therapeutic exposure to the situation you fear in order to gradually break down your phobia. So it starts with like talking about spiders you know, and then maybe imagining a spider is around and then a fake spider and whatever. And the treatment's rarely used, however, because those affected are reluctant to expose themselves to real spiders. Um, so to remedy the situation, the interdisciplinary research team led by Professor Dominique de Corvain, um, uh, the well-known Dominique de Corvain, <laughs> the well-known interdisciplinary researcher. <laughs> Uh, has, has developed a, has developed a smartphone-based augmented reality app, app called Phobus. Oh, wow. um, yeah, this yeah, is pretty good. There's a picture of it on the front page of this article of basically someone. It's augmented reality, so someone's holding their hand in front of the phone, and on the hand is no spider, but the image of it inside the picture shows your hand, but with a spider on top of it. Oh, f I've just actually clicked on that um, link, and that scares yeah. the shit out of me, and I'm actually fine with spiders. Fuck that. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the thing, though. I've downloaded this app, and it really spices up the dick pics. Um, <laughs> you guys... <laughs> There's a red back. Climb down the you gotta... Ladies... <laughs> You guys, yeah, yeah, it's uh, cobwebs down there. Seriously, yeah. no, check it out. Oh, what what color of widow is on. this? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know a lot about spiders, right? Can you take a look at this for me? <laughs> um, so I've got something black and hairy in my pants. Uh. <laughs> hey, nine legs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so oh, stupid. I just love that this is a, an amazing step in science that are really helping people, and we just took it straight back to cock jokes. Like I'm so. Oh, no, you got it. Welcome to the so show. Proud. You, you, so proud. You found it immediately. Sometimes yeah, I, I think like I guess a while I was born to, to be on this. <laughs> so these these people that develop. Next, we'll be doing dick jokes about a space story. So strap in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, um, yeah. So these um, interdisciplinary <laughs> these interdisciplinary researchers analyzed the effectiveness of Phobus in a clinical trial involving sixty six subjects. Um, so not a wide net there, but um, decent. You know, it'd be like a, a phase one over the course of two weeks. The participants, all of whom suffered from agoraphobia, either completed six half hour training units with Phobus Hang on, or in the case of a arachnophobia, right? Arachnophobia, yes. Uh, what did I say? Agoraphobia. Oh, they wouldn't have gone to that. Oh, one. you said that earlier. That was what, that, okay. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yes, arachnophobia. Have I been saying agoraphobia the whole time? Uh, just you have, but that's okay because open well, spaces, of... the marketplace has spiders as well. No, <laughs> the zoos. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I get spiders confused with outside. Um, <laughs> Man, they're going to be interesting dick pics. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm outside with my penis exposed, trying to take a photo <laughs> of a spider. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's weird, because this essentially is the same technology as that Pokemon game, but they mm. just made it scary. Yeah. Oh, it's, exa yeah. it's exactly um, the same thing. That, that is also, yeah, if you play Pokemon Go, that's the same type of thing. It's augmented, rea augmented reality. You move your phone around, you see it looking like a camera image of what you're pointing at, but then there's other stuff which is either a delightful Pokemon for you to catch or a spider crawling up your crawling shaft. Crawling straight towards yeah. you, about yeah. to bite you on your testicles. It's, yes. So the control group in this study, um, they were offered no intervention at all, 
which, uh, so not a double blind. Uh, I think they knew they were the control group. Um, before and after treatment, the subjects approached a real spider in a transparent box as closely as their fear of spiders allowed. The group that had trained using Phobos showed significantly less fear and disgust in the real-life spider situation and was able to get closer to the spider than the control group. Um, the app offers nine different levels so that subjects can get closer to to even interact with the virtual spider. Um with each level, the tasks become more intensive and therefore more difficult. Each level ends with an assessment of one's own fear and disgust. And the app uh, decides whether the level should be repeated or the user can move on to the next one. Mm. Um, what I find interesting about that is I, I live in Sydney, Australia, and we have red back yeah, right. webs that will fuck you up. Like, of course, spiders is probably a good thing. Don't go poking the fucking spider, you idiot. But... I understand that this fear of all spiders can be quite debilitating, but there are some spiders you should genuinely be afraid of. Like, how far do we want to take this kind of um, well cognitive behaviour kind of approach where you're like, why are you but, having but this that, But that's, again, I think that's what, what, what I was saying at the beginning of the article about when the difference between a fear and a phobia. Because, mm. like, again, there are fear of, a fear of heights has healthy aspects to it. You know, you don't want to yeah. be, like dangling off the edge of a building unless you're one of those Russians on YouTube. <laughs> but when did that is, yeah. that... is that still a thing? That was a big thing for like a year and a half of people filming themselves huge, doing handstands yeah. on the edge of like skyscrapers Radio and stuff. And then, yeah. yeah, and then every so often one of them would die and it would just... And it, you know, that would make people go, oh, so there's loads of these videos I can watch? And uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was the worst kind of video. When, we, when I was working at Ridiculousness, when the researchers would send in one of those, you're like, okay, this comes from Russia. Are we, is this, are we about to watch a death? Yeah, this yeah. Is probably- yeah it's just- <laughs> Dude, yeah. I, I, I only worked there for literally two days before I got fired and saw like five, five snuff films. For real? <laughs> it's like, awful. yeah, because, and uh, uh, Jules, what we're talking about is a, like a clip show. Right. You know, where they show silly clips of people oh God. skateboarding accidents and whatever and blah 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 you know you know just one of those shows of internet clips and uh there's a room full of researchers that would send over clips for us to in theory write jokes about uh, and um <laughs> it's to have a lot of those jokes and just say oh man <laughs> yeah. yeah well that's the well, thing every so often you have to just send it back to the research room and just go uh, lads um the last five seconds of this video are not good, and that means we can't show the previous twenty seconds of this video because it's not good. <laughs> it's not- well, I mean, they weren't they weren't just using YouTube; they all had different sources. So it would be like a, a Bulgarian forum for car wrecks, and it's like, dude, that guy's head came off. Oh, you wow. saw his head come off. Wow. Yeah, like- it, would, it, it would be like this is something from YouTube, and then this is from like uh, video links pz. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that's. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, someone gets is... fucked up here. Firstly, this has probably just put viruses on my computer, and secondly, <laughs> this is... <laughs> I'm yeah. pretty oh, sure of... now, like, yeah, the Taiwanese government has control of my hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, my so, 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 speaking of computers, guys, this, this app, it makes use of game elements uh, and animation sound effects, rewarding feedback to maintain a high level of motivation, which is, uh, as I understand it, the number one issue with exposure therapy is losing motivation because it's scary. Um, it's available in the app store. So that's in an iPhones. And Android. this isn't like an ad that's just in the article. We're not, no, not but I'm us. curious how you would market this. Like it's called phobies. Like how do you, how do you market something to say, Hey, is there something you're really afraid of without showing them the thing you're really afraid of and thus freaking them out? Like, how do you, right. how do you market this? 
Well, and, and exposure therapy for stuff that's actually dangerous mm. is really difficult. And maybe shouldn't be in the hands of the person who has the fear. Like maybe someone should be guiding you through that and then say, okay, now you're on your way, download this app. You can do it at home, but maybe don't maybe don't let them jump straight in. I just I feel like that's irresponsible and possibly unethical. Like you almost yeah. need some exposure therapy to the app. Yeah. Someone has to like yeah. hold their hand yeah. into You gotta have yeah. no, 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 because on the other hand, you, you you're gonna encounter spiders. Like you're gonna encounter spiders in real life. So if this is something that does help you sort of to condition yourself and get yourself ready for this thing that you will encounter. Mm. Um, you well, know how you can well, no, find I mean, out okay. more about fear, by the way. How's that? How's that, Matt? Well, you could go to Wondrium, our sponsor. <laughs> I can't afford that, Matt. I can't afford it. Oh, <laughs> can't, oh, can't. Jesse, you got a what? free trial if you go to wondrium.com slash probably. You can get a free month trial and you can... Oh, there's so many so many videos, lessons, in, well, I, interesting... Uh, and there's one in particular, this course uh, of videos called Understanding and Overcoming Fear that I've just found. And it actually looks really interesting. It's... It's a 24-episode-long series about fear that delves into, firstly, like, what is fear and what are its purposes, understanding specific phobias. This is how I found it. And also covers things like, why do people want to be scared? Because, of course, we're, we're coming up to a scary season. We're coming up to the, the time of year where people go out of their way to be scared for money. Out of their mind. Yeah. There's an episode uh, uh, that's fear of corrupt government officials, and then immediately afterward, there's fear of the supernatural. And I'm like, wow! But that was a th- we we really jumped there. We went from okay, I'm actually scared of corrupt government officials to the supernatural. I'll take my chances. Thanks very much. They're both legitimate fears. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> those are both. Well, Matt, this all sounds great, but I am very, very loyal to the Great Courses Plus. So I oh, cannot Jesse. go to the what? Jesse, Jesse, the Great Courses Plus has become Wondrium. No, it, get the fuck out. And in in the course of doing that, has absorbed several other video series. So now you have access to all sorts of stuff. You have you have access to National Geographic videos. You have access to the original Great Courses Plus videos. You have brand new videos that have been created for Wondrium. And, and you can watch them. You can also listen to them as a podcast. You can jump between mediums. So you can be listening to a bit as you're driving home and then jump onto the video or your computer or your smartphone or tablet app it's it is system platform agnostic and i am only going to sign up for a platform matt kershen okay i am only going to sign up for a platform where i can learn in little bite-sized chunks about the secret world of espionage and that's it <laughs> oh wait and that's what's a- this <laughs> oh wow it says right here oh my god six episodes you guys six episodes little bite-sized chunks that's perfect yeah <laughs> nice. that's the thing they, they are all they're academically comprehensive they're they're taught by and led by engaging experts who've been chosen for their expertise in their subject and also their skills as a communicator they are they are and and their entertainment value so once again if you want to have a free trial i'm you flicking can sign through up. their stuff it looks amazing it's pretty damn good, right? And you can go to wondrium.com slash probably. That is W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M dot com slash probably. Sign up for your free month. That looks amazing. I particularly love the idea. So I've got a medical thing, which I'm sure you're all shocked to hear, that I make too much adrenaline. So I my adrenaline, my adrenals are on all oh. the time, right? So it's just always pumping. So I don't I don't have fight or flight. I just have fight. I don't I you know, I, I process things really quickly and I'm like Is this is this your way of telling us no one actually said something racist in the bookstore? <laughs> 
<laughs> you just they look le type though. <laughs> <laughs> you know those men who wear linen suits. You know they're going to be yeah. racist. Um, yeah. Uh, no, it's it's a real thing, and uh, I've had it since I was a kid. Wow. And they've done all the scans, and I don't have any tumors on my adrenals. There's no there's no like. Uh, it's just one of those things that my adrenal glands are jammed on, um, and it, it it makes my perception of fear quite different to. So something that somebody else would consider to be a fear, I am aware that that's my adrenals kicking in and it's a response to something I've seen. So, and, and I process things really, really quickly. So like if I see so, a So snake, it kind of has the opposite effect. So rather than you getting like super scared, you go like, oh, this again. Absolutely. It's the adrenaline like, oh, now. We know what this right. means. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. And, you know, which is why I love being a stand-up comedian because it's a, it's, you know, it's a lovely little buzz um, on top of my normal adrenaline. But things like being out in the bush and, they, you know, you see a spider or a snake or uh, someone tried to mug me in Edinburgh one year and just saw it coming a mile off and went, oh, well, no, I, I, I refused to be mugged. It really made me laugh. This guy just stepped out of a doorway and goes in that real broad Scottish accent, like, get us your purse. And I went, what? He goes, get us your purse. And he was huge and he had his hands in his pockets. And I'm like, you don't have a gun or a knife. In my head, I've assessed that the whole thing, head to toe. I've done like a like a Terminator, <laughs> do, 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 do. like I've scanned him head to toe. He doesn't have a weapon. Sure. I can take him in a physical fight. Like, you're not getting my wallet. Go away. And, uh, yeah, he said for the third time, give us your purse. I said, first of all, I'm Australian, so it's a wallet. And second of all, you want my fucking wallet. You're going to take it off me. But good luck, champ, because I'm going to fight to the death on this one. And he just goes, oh, good on you, lassie, and walks off. Like, <laughs> congratulates me for not allowing myself to be mugged because I've in that one second I've had a chance to assess him. He doesn't have a weapon. I can beat him in a physical fight. And he's like, all right, then. And then just off on his way. <laughs> like, it was just one of those weird... Weird. You, you you weren't worried, like perhaps he would have some sort of like haggis, like nunchucks or something. <laughs> like a, you don't get to be a uh, unit by not eating haggis, mate. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. So your amygdala, not a unit. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> not. Nice. Your your limbic system, absolutely not a unit. Julia. Um. So, oh, Julia, yeah. I'm curious. Who else? When people have this condition, what other things are interesting or notable about their behavior or? Like, are they also subject to more or less substance use, or is uh, that unrelated? Or? Yeah, it's, what's interesting, because I've, I've spoken to a few other people that have had this, and they're either giant substance abusers or don't go anywhere near substances because um, you're concerned about exactly what it's going to do. Um, so for me, uh. I've never tried cocaine or speed because my adrenals are already pumping and I'll probably have a heart attack. Like, that's a... That's a that's a bad idea for me. Whereas um, any of the hallucinogenics, I'm like, I'll have a crack at that because uh, other people talk about bad trips and how you you can't stop them. Well, my adrenals are pumping so hard, I'll burn all that out really quickly. Um, so uh-huh. you know, it's like a, a a different. Uh, there is a kind of predisposition to alcohol abuse, just because it kind of slows everything down. You're like, oh, this is what normal people feel like, but you're like 20 beers in. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it, there is a – it's just kind of a different way of processing stuff. And when they diagnosed me, they um, they gave me – they did blood tests at like 8 o'clock one night and then gave me an adrenal suppressant, which was meant to make – I was meant to make no adrenaline at all for the next 12 hours. And then 12 hours later, 8 a.m. the next day, they do more blood tests to see – um, if you have made adrenaline and if you have how much so they can kind of put you on a scale. And in that time, in those those 12 hours, I made two and a half times more adrenaline than a normal person would make in a normal day. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I am so <laughs> alert all the time. Like that's, It all makes sense now. But in those 12 hours, sleeping? I felt like I was wading through peanut butter. Everything was so slow. And I was like, if this is normal, oh. I don't want a bar of it. 
Wow. Mm. And do you have trouble sleeping or not? Uh, I did for quite a lot of years. And then I worked out things like weighted blankets. Um, uh, like I have to wind myself yeah. down before I go to bed. Like there's a few things I put into place. When I'm on the road, it's a bit different because you can't be lugging a 12 kilo blanket around with you. Um, but, but right. you know, there's, there's like a bit of meditation, a bit of just I'm mindfully going to bed now. Um, and the other thing I have is after all those years working in front of speaker stacks, I have a really loud ringing in my ears all the time. So it took me, it took me a while to work out how to go to sleep. <laughs> well, this we is have a lot of the same problems. This is, I have to sleep with a white noise machine because of uh, all my bad choices of being around loud sounds. Ah, interesting. This is, it's, this is like talking to a Jason Statham movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I feel Except like for I'm... my vagina. <laughs> Well, yes, yes, I, I, I watched that parody too. The, uh... You know, it's something that I found really interesting, and I don't know what you when I was talking about the microdosing of mushrooms. Um, uh, I have quite a lot of hearing damage from from being a bouncer and then going straight into comedy and just being around loud speaker stacks and feedback of, of microphones and stuff. And in the um, in the kind of not particularly controlled microdosing, but relatively controlled microdosing I've done, my hearing has gotten much better, and the actual nerve damage that I have has started to repair. So I found that really? so, yeah, oh, I found that really interesting. Hmm. Oh, no, wow. that's that's just during the trip, or are you talking like a permanent? No, permanent because I don't I don't really use it to like trip trip. I just microdose like twice a week, and then I use lion's mane mushrooms and turkey tail to kind of you know help a few other senses. Um, and yeah, so two years ago I'd had I had quite significant hearing damage, and I just had my hearing tested a couple months ago, and the the damage is much less. The nerves are repairing, and what I love is that the audiologist just goes, "Well, this is not this isn't normal." You. Once that nerve starts to die, there's really nothing you can do to stop it. And I was like, magic mushroom. <laughs> yeah, you're like, that's, so what you, no, I, I can hear that gnome talking crystal clear. That's, uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's, it's one of, the, one of the horrible side effects of the adrenaline because I very much embrace it. I quite like that I've got this. It made me a very good football player. It made me a good bouncer. Um, I could see someone going to throw a punch like 10 minutes before they'd even thought about it. Like you, you just, you, you read micro... Um, Microaggressions, but also micro movements of people very clearly. So when I'm right. on stage, I can see if someone's fidgeting in their chair, which is five steps before they heckle. Like I can see all of that um, oh. so much so that I barely even recognize that I'm seeing it. It's just part of my processing of a room. Um, so if I see somebody start to get a little bit fidgety, all it takes literally is to make eye contact with them and go, right, and then move on. And they're like, oh, God, she sees me. And they just sit quietly for the rest of the time. Like it's it's very it's – a, it's a wonderful kind of superhero power. And when I was playing um, I was playing footy, you know, being able to see which way uh, the defense were lining up, being able to see which way their feet were pointing, which way their uh, muscles were flexing. I could see which way they were going to try and blitz. Like all of that just made me a better football player. Uh, and it's kind of an unfair advantage because not everybody has – masses of adrenaline coursing through their veins. I felt a bit bad for the other team, to be fair. Sure. Sure. So it's so like... Just to clarify... Oh, oh, go ahead, Andy. This is, this is Australian rules football. When you're saying football, I'm like at first thinking, wait, is this soccer football? Is this football football? This no, is it's your football. American, NFL, Australian? Gridiron. So I, I'm... Like, a, and it's not different no. rules at all from ours? No. Oh, We cool. play college rules. So I'm a starting offensive center and a second string middle linebacker. Um, but it just it That's made me awesome. be able to read the play as everyone's settling for me to snap. I could see which way the defense were going to go. I could see which way I had to block to make sure my QB didn't get cleaned up. Like, like nobody got my QB in the six years I was playing. 
No, I, I, no one got sacked <laughs> on my watch. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Damn. And my, my first QB, who I played with for like three and a half years, uh, and we played at like state level together, um, she was like, I just, she was tiny, and as I have mentioned, I am not. And she was like, you snapped the ball to me and I just she she would grab the back of my jersey and just hide and <laughs> and when she goes I would watch your feet and the first time that they would stop is when you were getting through the D line and then the next time they would stop is when you're shedding off the middle linebacker and then whenever she's like I'd see your you like your ass cheeks point one way and I knew that was the way that I had to run because the field was clear for me to get out of there like it was every time we did a run up Wait. the middle she would just be like let's go well, so does she also have the adrenaline thing? No. She's like, I noticed, I noticed the direction of your ass no, cheeks. No, that's all she I could see. The... She couldn't see past me at all to see where anybody else was. All she could see was the back of me and my feet. But, <laughs> but also, you, Jesse, you don't know because you've not met Julia, but she has very expressive ass cheeks. <laughs> no, well, sure, sure. Well, some people do, you know. <laughs> well, you know, she, can't, she can't keep a poker ass. <laughs> Yeah. They've got their own agent, you know, they've scored a yeah. commercial just recently. Yes, now I find that my ass can bluff quite well. Um, just, uh, just a deadpan ass. Um, nice. I, did, I did not have a deadpan ass. Mine, mine's, mine's real expressive. Well, yeah. well, well, while we're talking about where, you know, things that are expressive and the signs of things happening, Mars scientists now, now know exactly where to look for life. They're in the right what? place, says the team. There isn't. Where were they yeah. before? This is oh, a... oh no, no, these are Earth scientists talking about Mars. These I, are not Mars. I should, scientists. yeah, I should have been clearer. Yeah. These are these are human scientists who have put equipment on Mars, but while they are themselves Red, still on Earth, right? Red spacemen yeah. have written an article. They um, are they are specifically from uh, the the NASA Perseverance rover team. And they're now sure that they've sent the robot to a location that provides the best possible opportunity to find wow. signs of ancient life. Percy, as as Perseverance apparently is known, I did not know that. Okay. Percy touched down on Jezero Crater in February, so uh, at the beginning of this year, and since has been snapping thousands of images of its surroundings, the interpretation of these pictures form the basis of the first scholarly paper to make it into print in this week's wow. edition of Science Magazine. The analysis confirms the rover is sitting on the floor of a once great lake that was fed by a meandering river entering the deep bowl from the west. We're talking of events three and a half billion years ago when the red planet's climate was far more benign. Wow. Can you... A little part of me thinks that Mars is like, fuck off, Earth humans. We don't want you here. And they're holding stuff in front of the camera like, nope, nothing to see here. Move along. Just some, just dangling <laughs> rocks in front. Yep. yep. Oh, here's yeah. a rock that three and a half million years ago had water on it. Like... Those photos are remarkable, but I reckon it's a smokescreen so that we don't go there en masse. Yeah, it's just, it's a it's a huge, wonderful society that just have some pictures of Utah, <laughs> like, have pictures of the desert holding it in front of these yeah. robots. Because, uh, I mean, there's an area in Australia, uh, northern western Australia, called the Pilbara, which looks just like every photo of Mars I've seen. And I'm like, I reckon... I reckon they've just taken footage from one of those parts of the world where it's just red dirt and rocks for days and gone, yeah, nothing to see here. Just Or just maybe or maybe that part of Australia doesn't exist and they've just been cheating it with pictures of Mars. Huge chance. Ooh. That makes so much more sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that, by the Nobody, way, I isn't that one, one of the more extreme ends of the flat earth people is the... There, there's a subset of flat earthers who believe that Australia doesn't exist. For real. Oh god, that's awesome! What's the theory about that, or why? Why did that come about? 
I, is it because we're down under and to be down under in furs? Yeah, I, I honestly I can't tell you the science exactly. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I just wow. know that. the idea that Australia doesn't exist. Like, yeah, just that loud woman voice coming from a void. It's really some people have put in got lots of work into this conspiracy. <laughs> now, can you can you imagine if the Perseverance rover downloaded that Phobos app? It'd be a fucking nightmare, these photos. <laughs> 50-foot spiders crawling all over Mars. They're like, we are never going to fucking Mars, guys. We're never, never going ever. to Mars. <laughs> or maybe it'll make yeah. you less scared of space spiders if you look at them for long enough. Yeah, you maybe. Just never Perhaps. Know. Yeah. So from Perseverance's observations, it's now certain that where the river system met the lake water, the flow suddenly slowed and the sediment in suspension fell out to form a delta, which is the kind of wedge-shaped landform you see all over Earth. It's in such an environment that microorganisms could have thrived and their chemical traces have been preserved. People have said to me, says Sanjeev Gupta from Imperial College, who's co-lead author on the new paper, uh, so what's new here? Didn't we know there was a delta in Jezero Crater? Well, actually, we didn't. We'd inferred from orbital imagery that Jezero contained a delta, but until you get down on the ground, you can't be absolutely sure. We could have been looking at an alluvial fan. I, I'm still not sure what the difference is between those two. <laughs> But it's about to tell us. And well, actually, we didn't. What a fucking mansplainer this guy is. You know? Well, actually. Always, every, yeah, every time, every time I'm in a bar with my earbuds in, trying to read a book, talking about the Jezero Crater, some guy has to come in with his, well, actually, alluvial fan bullshit. It was a possibility. It was a possibility. So an alluvial yeah. fan is a related landform in which, generally speaking, the fan of deposits is laid down in a much higher energy environment, such as in a flash flood. This is okay, not a setting. Beard. Yeah, not a setting as conducted to biology. Martian microbes, assuming they existed, would have preferred the calmer, persistent waters of a delta. Mm. Pers Perseverance landed a couple of kilometers from the main delta formation, but the rover's telescopic views are enticing, particularly so when it comes to one isolated mound or butte dubbed Kodiak. It's possible to see in this remnant some of the classic layering produced by a developing delta. There are, horizontal, yeah, there are horizontal bottom sets that are made up of fine-grained sediment dumped by the river furthest from its entrance into the crater lake. Above these are inclined forest sets that were the sediment that tumbled down the slopes of the advancing lobes of the delta, and higher still are the top sets, which are the sediments laid down by the river after the delta edges have expanded off into the distance. Again, these are horizontal. On top Classic of Kodiak delta. and the... Yeah, I know. On top of Kodiak and the main delta formation in Jezero are a lot of large boulders. These do speak to flood events late in the history of water in the crater. So, Professor Gupta says, something changed in the hydrology. Whether it was climate-related, we don't know. But to move these big boulders needs something like a flood. Maybe there were glacial lakes in the local catchment that sent these flood waters into Jezero. Well, we, we see lake maybe? Like, what's happening there? He's gone from, we specifically, we Still didn't maybes. know, and now we do, and now he's like, maybe there was a flood. It's maybe, all a maybe. Martians. It's all a big maybe. Maybe. Who knows? That's what scientists are. Uh, there always have to be big big maybes about things. Fair, fair. The, but he, he says, we see lake outbursts in, on Earth in places like the Himalayas. In the Ganges Basin, you get these large boulders mixed in with normal river sands, and this is where there's been a sudden flood episode from a glacial lake. So they're going to send, the team's going to send this rover over to the base of the main delta formation to drill into what are expected to be fine-grained mudstones, and they'll also target a ring of carbonate rocks around the, rocks around the edge of Jezero that likely represent the shores of the crater lake when it was at its deepest. So, I can't help but um, think that's dumb, a very... Dumb question. 
Could. I can't help but think that's a very human thing that we're... Let's go there. Now let's drill in and see what's in there. Now bring that up. You're like, oh, guys, can we just not yeah. do one thing, please? I don't think it's ruining. I think it's improving, and that might put in some lovely features. <laughs> uh, and then it, it's going to... It's gonna. What, what are you going to ask, Andy? Oh, just that first picture of the Kodiak Butte. Um, should I assume that that blue is something added, or is are there blue rocks on Mars? That's a very good question, because that's freaky. It's really crazy. I don't know how I've not seen something like that before, if it's real, but I don't know why they would have altered it either. So a very good question. <laughs> I don't know if Anyhow, you guys have ever been um, on a beach in Australia during blue bottle season where everything's normal and all of a sudden there's these stinging jellyfish that are that color blue, bright blue. And so my Australian brain went, do not put your feet in that part of Mars. <laughs> it's going to hurt. You're going to need vinegar or someone to pee on your leg. <laughs> But by the yeah. way, se- second jellyfish peeing reference in two episodes. Hey! <laughs> um, so this is going to return to Earth in the early 2030s. Mm. In about 10 years' time. I don't know how they're going to get it back to Earth. But they haven't said that. I don't know whether the craft that is going to get it back to Earth is already in the process of getting there or is already there or whether it is. And you absolutely I know there's going to be that- a black market for Mars diamonds, like those rocks that get uh, taken yeah. as oh, samples. Yeah. There'll be some oh, yeah. rap star that's like, I need that embedded in my teeth. Well, haven't there been... There's been, there's been astronauts who've got into trouble just for taking stuff into space that they were going to sell. Because mm. just the fact that it has travelled with them into space and come back makes it valuable to certain yeah, people. desirable and valuable. But imagine like yeah, a rock William Shatner's... Mars. Yeah, William Shatner's net worth just doubled by doing that trip. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> going to have him made into jewellery for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Well, William Shatner went to space, man. I just it's I crazy. find that whole it's thing great. hilarious. I really Me do. too. I just like the 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 Challenger disaster is so imprinted on my brain. I remember watching that live and it's so imprinted on my brain that you could say to me right now, Do you want to go to space? And I'd be like, Fuck no. Thank nope. you very much. I mean, I think I would do it. After the year and a half we've had, I'd throw caution to the wind. Oh, I do. I do, I do. Uh, I do for sure. it through this. <laughs> I like By that. the way, I have a... After the year Sorry, I've had doing COVID being locked in, sure, I'll jump in a spaceship and head up to space. Why not? <laughs> Why not? I would do it if William Shatner wasn't coming. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, wouldn't go to, I wouldn't go to space with Shatner. No way. He's f- so he's fucking just, unbearable. just, like, always there now. Like, you can't get rid of him, like, all the new missions. Yeah, <laughs> like do you remember when yeah. Dana Gould was talking at Bridgetown about how after Stephen Hawking recorded an episode of The Simpsons, he then just kept showing up at The Simpsons, oh, and, really? and, and like the first few times, everyone's like, "This is awesome, Stephen Hawking's here," and then after a while, it's like, "Why is Stephen Hawking still here?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can someone just put in some stairs? This guy just keeps turning up. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like there on just going through the fox lots. <laughs> Hawking's back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, By the way, I have a, I have a quick follow up from our past story. I decided to go in the app store and look up Phobis or Phobies, however you want to pronounce it. And um, first of all, too big to fit into my phone. I don't know if it's because I'm super short in space or this is a giant, giant app. So I haven't played it. But I can tell you there are two reviews and an average of three out of five stars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the the first review that comes up is the title is way too scary. This is from Blue Orion. <laughs> or Blue Orion, I'm sorry. He says they do not start gently. They do not ease you in. 
<laughs> if you've got a severe fear, I don't recommend this. That's exactly what I was saying. Like, you know, should you be should you be given access to this unvetted and unsupervised? We're like, I'm really scared of this one thing. We'll have a massive effort of it. Oh, no. But de- developer response to this review two weeks ago, they said we now also have a gentler test in our latest update. Phobus <laughs> is designed for people with a f- high fear of spiders. When suffering from a severe phobia, we recommend using the app together with a friend or to get professional assistance. Exposure is an effective treatment for. Uh, blah blah blah. Okay, yeah, way too scary though. <laughs> but that's like saying to a heroin addict, um, you know, there's this methadone uh, that can help wean you off your, you know, off your mental addiction um, to heroin, and we can replace the, you know, the buzz that you get with this other drug that's safer, and you know, and the, and then just going. So there it is. Go administer it to yourself and try not <laughs> to die. Like that's a I feel yeah. like unsupervised. This could be a very bad idea. But also maybe maybe on the run up to Halloween they planted that way too scary review themselves just so people maybe oh yeah good Halloween app yeah try it out nice yeah sort of go viral a bit yeah it's easier than making a bowl full of grapes to do the whole uh, (laughs) (laughs) eyeballs. I love it. That's one of the other beautiful parts of my adrenaline is that um, I don't scare very easily, but when I do, I'm a bit punchy. So um, <laughs> so I've got mates that are like, oh, I'll scare you one day. I'm like, don't, don't, because I'll punch you in the face. So you're, you're not one for the walk through haunted house. I'm really <laughs> not. When I was eight years old, I punched a clown right in the face and um, I've never heard the end of it. Like dropped you know him, dropped him to his knees. <laughs> You know what's uh, you know what's funny to me is uh, anytime you go to one of those haunted houses, you know, um, it's it's like yeah okay it's scary and stuff, but it, but it would always be uh, just a horrible house, like if it was a, actually a house. You know what I mean? It's like like they say like this is a haunted house, and it's like imagine living in that kind of insane layout. <laughs> no, thank you. There's there's no kitchen. There's no bathroom. There's a maze in the middle of your house. <laughs> it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. You have a hall of mirrors. Yeah. Why would you ever live? It's in a strip mall somewhere. I don't know. Like, I feel like an actual haunted house would be a very small tour. It would take like 10 minutes. It's the size of a house. It's how long it takes to (laughs) walk walk through a house. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I I don't get it. I just think not enough houses are made with trap doors and secret bookshelves anymore. Oh, right. Exactly. Like I grew up on Scooby-Doo. I, I, I live for the day where I, you know, uh, here is our uh, study. Don't press that particular novel of uh, you know, <laughs> James Joyce. Oh, okay. I'm going to push the novel, push the novel. You know, you know what would suck is to, is to have one of those like trapdoor, uh, you know, like have a novel that uh, opens up the fireplace to a secret room. But then um, like that author like gets canceled. It's like J.K. Rowling <laughs> or something. And you're like, but that's. But wait, that's my secret door novel. I can't. It's thousands, thousands of dollars to replace. Well, you can't own that anymore. We don't like them anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be horrible. You know, and it does keep it does keep the it does keep people from finding it who aren't supposed to find. You got Bill Cosby fatherhood on the shelf. No one's gonna yeah. accidentally open your. Yeah, the the OJ if I did it book accesses my <laughs> like signed. <laughs> yeah, there were signed by the books. author, sticker on it. There are a couple of books that go straight into the recycling bin at our shop, and I can't tell you how many Bill Cosby fatherhood have come into our shop. We're like, no one (laughs) is buying this book. Just put it in the recycling bin. No one is buying it. Not even I. I was going to ask. 
I've been doing a lot of uh, thrift store record shopping. And uh, of course, there's tons of Andy Williams. It's Andy Williams all day, Herb Alpert. But then uh, last year, so many Bill Cosby records yeah. at home. <laughs> Suddenly, everyone doesn't want their Bill Cosby. I was hey, almost like, going to start an Instagram Nobody just wants for documenting. <laughs> yeah. Documenting thrift store Bill Cosby finds. Yeah, Bill Cosby, that- Rolf Harris, that kind of weird Gary Glitter stuff. You're like, nobody wants any of that art. Thank you. Go away now. Thank you very much. Let's pretend <laughs> yeah. it didn't happen. Well, wouldn't that be a nice section in the bookstore, though? Is just like your Scientology books, your Bill Cosby books, just like... You know, we have like- an entire set of L. Ron Hubbard's Scientology books, like, and they're quite, you know ridiculous but that, that it's what kicked yeah. it all off and i bought them the first week that we opened the bookshop under our kind of you know under our supervision uh and they have not sold in the five years that we've owned the bookshop no everyone looks at them and go oh my god that's and a whole set of Elron hubbard science fiction books and i'm like yeah yeah and they're only x amount of dollars and they're like yeah cool and they just walk straight past them <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah but but i mean what about like just a, a pariah shelf <laughs> You know, where you have your, your Cosby's. Yeah, and all nice. your- <laughs> you brought it on yourself, Shelf. <laughs> yeah. One of my yeah. favorite um, bookshop uh, experiences has been a friend of mine, a comedian friend of mine said, oh, look, there's a mate of mine in town. He's a mad um, vinyl collector. He likes really weird, rare stuff. And we've got heaps of weird, rare stuff. Uh, is there any chance he can't make it over to the bookshop during the day? Is there any chance you can open up after hours for him? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I've got some book work to do in there. So on a night that I didn't have a gig. I told him to meet me. I told him to tell his mate to meet me at 7.30. Jello Biafra rocks up to my bookshop and wow. I lose my fucking mind <laughs> because it's Jello Biafra and he's about to come into my bookshop and I'm just like, just be cool, just be cool, just be cool, just be cool. And all my years of being a bouncer taught me that rock stars are like dogs where you have to ignore them and they'll come to you eventually. Just ignore them. <laughs> just don't, don't, don't be weird. Don't be fucking, oh, my God. It's a-. But he... And that's what I did. I, I just did book work. And then after a while, he's like, hey, Julia, have you, do you know anything about this record? Do you know about the where this was recorded? And he took me on a tour of my own shop and showed me all the cool, like the amount of stories that he had, his, his memory recall, whilst he's a very weird dude, but lovely, the recall that he had for every single recording place and uh, sound producer and writer that had worked on this. And then he worked on this one over here. And, and he finished it on this weird record that was a ventriloquist dummy singing a Christian ventriloquist dummy singing Christmas carols. And I'm like, that's just the guy who does the voice of the ventriloquist dummy singing Christmas carols. Like how, why is this, why is someone buying these? Right. And then he goes, you have to put it on. I'm like, I don't want to listen to this. He goes, no, no, you have to put it on. So I put it on and it was so fucking creepy that I'm like, (laughs) and as soon as I posted the next day that Jelly Biafra had been in the shop and that this was like, someone came in and bought it within minutes of me posting that, that, you know, because Jello had picked it up and said, you have to play this like literally within minutes of us opening. Well, see, that, so that ties into the Cosby thing. Like, it's amazing to me. I mean, that he still goes by Jello. Mm. Has it not affected his career? I mean, you know, call Jello anymore? Yeah, no one's called Puddin Biafra, are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, everyone's cool with the dead Kennedys part. It's the it's the Jello. Yeah. <laughs> did, 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 no, that's did, that's an awesome story. Oh, it's so it, much did, fun. Did it not like? Did you were your suspicions not initially raised when your friend said so? My mate Jello is going to be swinging by. I just said my mate. Like you know what it's like when <laughs> a friend of a friend and you go yeah sure no worries yep 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 and then just like I opened the door and he goes Jello nice to meet you and I was like 
fine. Like I just, I heard my voice go up four octaves and I was like, oh, pull it together, Wilson. And just like, go and do your book work. And so I, I let him and his two mates that came with him just like wander around the shop and I was doing the accounts, which of course I had to redo all the next day because I didn't get a single thing right because I was like, do I fucking reference in my shop? You know, having grown up on punk, that was a big deal to me. I've kind of surprised yeah. he introduces himself as Jello. That's the surprise to me. Mm. It was awesome. I was so stoked. I was just like, <laughs> my like fifteen-year-old Julia is losing her fucking mind now in forty-five Julia's body. Like it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. cool. That's cool. Um, uh, we so should we should wrap up. We should wrap up the main should. episode. Well, sorry. Did you have something to add though, Jesse? Uh, no, not at all. I was just going to follow up on that link of of L. Ron Hubbard being the. Being the most that Andy posted a link here of uh, L. Ron Hubbard has the Guinness Guinness World Record for the most published works by one author. Wow, Guess how many, uh, Julia? I, yeah. I, according to the 2006 Guinness, yeah. How many? Over a thousand. No, come on. One thousand eighty-four. Oh my God! For real. <laughs> I need to find yes. out what all of them are now because I've got a I've got a full set of the twelve like original, whatever world he talked about that he turned into a religion. Like I've got those that are quite quite rare, right. and everyone acknowledges Dianetics. that they're very rare. Yeah, that's it. That all the all of the basis yeah. of that. Um, yeah, people are like, oh my god, that's the really rare set of uh, no, I don't want to buy them. Thanks, and they've got like <laughs> three hundred bucks on them. It's really cheap and nobody wants them. <laughs> it's like everyone wants to yeah. point and go, ooh, but nobody yeah. wants to put their hand in their pocket. But that kind of works, though. That's just something, it's a little talking point that gets people into your shop and then they yeah. look at the other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's very cool. Yeah, any anytime somebody has to be in international waters, they're not to be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> we also had a, um, we had a, a copy of Mein Kampf uh, that was in the shop when we bought the shop, and I was like, "Oh, you're oh, telling me that's cancelled now?" Oh, the- <laughs> yeah. oh, now that's not okay. Okay, <laughs> but it was it was a um, it was a copy. It was a nineteen, I want to say thirty six copy, and it was printed by the British Red Cross, and all proceeds from sale of the book went back to the British Red Cross. And I was like, "This is a unicorn of a book." And uh, it ended up selling for like 400 bucks. But we had this one guy come in one day and he's like a very clear stereotype of a drug dealer who's like, how much do you want for that? And I said, it says $400 on there. And he's like, "Mm, how about a gram of Coke? (laughs) And I went, "Um, no, no, I'm not selling you Adolf Hitler's book for a gram of Coke. Not even I am that much of a stereotype. Like that was, it was the weirdest conversation I have ever had in my life. And I've had a weird life. Yeah, Adolf Hitler himself, it says in the book's forward, trade this for two grams of Coke, is, is what it's worth. It's- he goes, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, bro, I'm really sure. And he goes, do you want to talk to your business partners? Maybe one of them wants a gram of Coke. And I was like, the police station is two doors away. Off you fuck out of my shop. And now they, I don't count him as one of the people that I threw out. I just told him to get out. I didn't have to actually physically. But it was just so weird that he was like, are you sure you don't want to sell me that book? That Like, for my money, that is a book that uh, is a terrifying part of history and I have a responsibility to make sure that I'm f- the guy's not going to use it as a manifesto to run his drug dealing business. Like, I just... <laughs> yeah. I just- but at the same time, it's it's amazing you were so shocked someone said something racist in your shop. <laughs> you have mind camp and hanging up in the window. <laughs> it's, uh, it is de- it's, a, it's funny. Interesting. I was interviewed by the Australian 60 Minutes just last year about... Oh, sorry, earlier this year. Time has no meaning at the moment. Um, about... 
what you, you know, is it censorship what I do and don't sell? And I was like, no, it, history isn't mine to cancel. That was a that was a book in history, uh, but I will be a little bit dubious about selling it to a drug dealer. Like I probably won't. I didn't tell them the story about the guy coming in and wanting to buy it from Graham <laughs> right, because right. I don't think we need that kind of attention from 60 Minutes Australia. Um, but, sure. <laughs> but you know, they were like, well, so you'll sell this. And, and, and it was all based around, um, uh, what's his name, the annoying Piers, uh, Piers Morgan had written a book where he was like, I'm being cancelled. I'm like, oh, do shut up. Uh, you can't be cancelled <laughs> if you still have an opinion publicly that people are talking about. You're not cancelled. You're just not relevant anymore. Go and sit down and be quiet, you horrible old man. Uh, and so... <laughs> So yeah. I was saying like, yeah, so we, we have, you know, we, ha- we still sell JK Rowling, even though one of my business partners has two trans kids. I checked with the business partner. Are you okay with that? And she's like, yeah, I wouldn't buy it and read it, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't make it available to other people. Um, and Mein Kampf, as, you know, it's not like, hey, guys, we've got 19 copies. Who wants one? It was a rare piece of history that, uh, that a, like a, a history buff bought and wasn't a weird person sprouting like you know, white power tattoos and offering grams of Coke for it. Like it was, I was responsible about who I sold it to. And we should point out to our listeners right now that Julia is aware of the difference between JK Rowling and Adolf Hitler. (laughs) Um, You know, sort of in global evil. Yeah. Well, they Um, lived in different eras, but they've never been seen in the same room. Right. But (laughs) as far as like, just as far as being problematic goes, we know that Hitler is probably the more so. Yeah. Definitely the one that you would let (laughs) into your house less. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. J.K. Rowling and Hitler, those two equal parties. Yes. Um, I don't know which one's more influential these days. Yeah. That's a fair. That's a a good question. question. Which one has more theme parks? Well, there you go. Which one there has influenced go. current children more? <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah. But yeah, it was a, yeah. it was a very big deal. They were like, you know, would you be prepared to go on the on the record to say that you wouldn't stock Piers Morgan's book? I'm like, yep. <laughs> Give me the microphone. I'll go on the record for that. I'm not selling that book. And they're like, isn't that censorship? I'm like, no. I'm a business owner. I know what You're will and won't sell That's... in my business, and I can do whatever the hell I want. Guess what? I'm not selling Piers bloody Morgan's book because he's a tool. Oh, were they trying to use? Were they trying to use that as like a gotcha? Yeah, because of the other books. Which I thought was okay, hilarious. Got, yeah. Oh, so you'll yeah. sell Mein Kampf and you'll sell J.K. Rowling, but you won't sell Piers Morgan. I'm like, nope, you've nailed that in one. The, Guess who else's book? The I'm logic not of that. It's, it's, like, it's yeah. like picketing a vegan restaurant for not selling brisket. Absolutely. Like, yeah, we're just selling what we want to sell. Yeah. It's, we don't have an obligation to sell you everything yeah. that is edible. It's my shop. I get to do whatever the hell I like in my shop. And uh, yeah. Bill Cosby's fatherhood in the bin. <laughs> no one is going to buy it. It's not a. It's not a rare part of history that people are going to go. Oh, I used to have a copy of that. You know, <laughs> it's like put in the bin. Goes in the bin. That's where it belongs. Um, <laughs> it does belong in the bin. Um, As does uh, this Julia. episode now. Yes, we have yes, yes. Yes. I presume everyone puts the, puts the episode in the bin once they finish listening to it. Yes, I was just. That's the segue I was doing, Matt. I wasn't trying oh. to do another subject. Um, Julia, I was going to ask uh, for our listeners where they can find you. Uh, I am on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and all those kind of places. Just regular yeah. comedian stuff. And, yeah, and just the, give and her a Google, handles. guys. Give her a Google. And the yeah, name again of the bookshop in Manly. Desire Books and Records, where we don't have any more copies of Mein Kampf. <laughs> <laughs> it's all written in script on the, uh, on the shingle hanging up front. Uh, <laughs> Patreon patrons stick around for one one extra story but uh, Julia um, oh I should have plugged this at the beginning maybe maybe we'll plug a little uh, a little pre-roll as well because I'm going to be in Alameda this uh, next weekend 
uh, at the Alameda oh, cool. Comedy Club. So, and I forgot to mention it last week, and now it's getting close to that. So the 22nd and 23rd, that's Alameda, near Oakland, Bay Area. Anyone Bay Area, come down to the Alameda Comedy Club and come and see me do stand-up, please. Um, do it. So uh, we probably won't do a pre-roll. So hopefully you've made it this far <laughs> through the episode. Maybe we can. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So go, go see, go see Matt over there, and uh, I'm I'm Jesse Case at Jesse Case on Twitter, and uh, you know it's and and similar to Julia, just give me a, give me a Google. Yeah, Why give don't Jesse you? a Google. Jesus give Andy T Wood on Twitter and at Matt Kirshen and at Probably Science is the show's Twitter account. Probablyscience.com is our website. Probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, and stories you would like us to cover. Julie Wilson, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been lovely to That's chat great. you all. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.